tab dance tim we got a name this time yes we do well this is our, our uh, current events uh, monthly n- hollywood news show called hollywood hullabaloo episode two if you want to catch up with what we're watching mm-hmm. and what we found in the news all right. that fun stuff who who doesn't want to know that about us that's what i think <laughs> yeah we want to know that about us number one fan <laughs> i'm my own annie wilkes <laughs> <laughs> yeah but your name isn't Annie Wilkes. What is it? My name is Derek. Oh, okay. I'm Tim. Hollywood Hullabaloo. Before we get to that, I did want to bring up something that we didn't mention yet. And that's, uh... Happy anniversary to you, Tim. It's a full year yeah. of the transmissions. Yeah, we've had a full year of transmissions from the Forbidden Planet episodes. Yeah. Which is why I guess we decided to change things up after a year and do this once a month. In a relationship, you want to yeah. spice it up. You don't want to keep it all stale. <laughs> no, I know. I, I got you those furry handcuffs. <laughs> furry handcuffs is the spice of life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. On with the news. First up. Hugh Jackman. Yep. Is coming back as Wolverine in Deadpool 3. That's right. I can't believe it. It it came true. <laughs> it came true. And it just took Disney money to bring him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's exciting though. I think it's going to be great, don't you? I do too. I think I have a I have a little theory though. Okay. About what's going on cuz everyone's going on about oh, well it's set in this year and technically Logan was set in this year and blah blah blah. I don't think any of that matters. I don't yeah. think that with a Deadpool movie you have to worry about continuity right, or anything like right. that. What I think might be a little in joke in the movie is that he's not playing Wolverine, he's playing Hugh Jackman. Oh, okay. And maybe through some magical wizardry that Doctor Strange does turns him into the real Wolverine or something like that. That's my pitch. That's your fan theory. That's my my little uh, conspiracy theory I'm putting out there, and hopefully <laughs> yeah. people pick that up and right. before they start filming. Ryan Reynolds is like that guy on that podcast that I love. <laughs> he came up with this theory. <laughs> right. And I think we should use it. And now I believe the earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And then right. uh, he'll buy it. And then we'll also get a sponsor on this podcast by Mint Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Just like the Wrexham soccer team. Jeez, they made it mm-hmm. big. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 
I think I think he'll be I'll think he'll be Wolverine. I'll hate it if they don't do exactly what I expect. <laughs> Just like every other <laughs> fan of something out there. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you're par for the course, then. Yeah. I want to be unique. Really setting yourself apart from all the other jerkwads <laughs> in the internet. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I like to take a stance. Yeah. Well. You make me want to- Next one you you should be excited for, I think. Oh man! Because it's kind of a double double feature in a way. It's going to be bullet point two and bullet point three are all in the same right. DC universe. We're gonna we're gonna leave Marvel alone over here, and then yeah. we're gonna head over to this other camp called DC. And right. uh, They came out with a lot of big news, but the first one was that they're getting what they're what they're saying is is they're. They're getting their own Kevin Feige right. for their DC universe, which, you know. But I th- I feel it's a great pick right. with James Gum. One, because... Okay, there's two main reasons why I think it's a good pick. One, because I think... Well, I've heard and just hearing him talk and hearing what Kevin Feige... Because Kevin Feige's a big uh, comic book nerd. Yeah. He knows a lot of his stuff. And he, even in an interview said, if there's one director I've worked with, that's a bigger nerd than I am about comic books. It's James Gunn. Right. Right. And you can kind of tell that about his, when he's working with Marvel, a lot of his movies are very comic accurate. He did the, um, gardens of the galaxy movies and right. Right. And so those are some of the ones that stand out in the Marvel universe as, as very comic accurate with a lot of different things. But then, you know, Disney was like, we don't like what you said 20 years ago on Twitter. So then they got <laughs> rid of him. Right. And Warner was like, scooped him up. Mm-hmm. But, but here's the other thing that I think it, why he's a good, because he didn't have Disney backing him. He had no big company behind him by the time he got to Warner Brothers. Right. They asked him, hey, what would you do in the DC world? He said, I want to make a Suicide Squad movie. And they're like, well, we already made a Suicide Squad movie. He's like, no, you didn't. It was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, but I would want it to be a rated R and I'd want it to be gory and I'd want it, you know, swearing and all of this stuff. And he fought for that without any other big studio behind him. He couldn't be like, well, I'll just go back to Marvel. Yeah. Because he didn't know that at the time. Right, right. Uh, Warner basically said, fine, do whatever you want. Yeah. Now, I do think that that was buffered a bit by DC having a billion-dollar hit with an R-rated Joker movie. So right. they were like, hey, we might as well start taking some chances here. Well, that and, and, and of course, with the success of Deadpool and Logan, like we talked about years ago, they see the, the where the trend is. There's another avenue opening up for these R-rated uh, right. comic book movies. Where that doesn't fit with uh, uh, their alignment on things is that Snyder did an R-rated cut of both his films yeah, and, they and they shied wouldn't. away from them. Okay. So I think it took having a Joker R-rated thing to say, we can do this now. Yeah, you know right, I mean? to kind of make them feel more confident about it. Right. Yeah. So the fact that James Gunn, before he had the job and before he had backing by Disney going into Warner, fought for what he wanted or I don't want to do it, Right. makes me think that because Warner has knee-jerk reaction issues right. with Obviously. tone. Yeah. And so having someone in the seat saying, no, no, let's, let's, let's not push if, forward. Just because we have a misstep yeah, doesn't, doesn't mean, mean we need to change our plans. Yeah, exactly. So, right. Yeah, I really enjoyed that second Suicide Squad movie he did. I thought it was hilarious and, and uh, fun. Right. And, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, anyone who can take a really lame character like uh, 
polka dot man <laughs> yeah <laughs> and put right. him in a character and make him like a fun little character and right. also peacemaker too was like that peacemaker is another yeah. one of those characters that is just like you know who would who can make who cares about that character and he makes them fun so. right right cool and then well it's continuing on the dc news uh and it, it's all kind of related to this whole thing of mm-hmm. henry cavill is officially announced he's returning as superman yes which as far as dc goes and superman goes i'm i'm super excited about that because i even though the movies weren't big hits or whatever i absolutely love henry cavill as superman i love yeah him. i mean i love oh, no. christopher reeve yeah that's a different time right, right. different time different era whole different right. universe so it's not right. like i'm comparing the two right, right right i think henry cavill is the perfect choice for today's superman yeah the no 21st me too. century superman i think he got a little short shrifted because yeah. warner jumped the gun and wanted to do a batman versus superman before exploring the superman character a little bit more and letting right. him spread his wings and uh <laughs> show a little bit more of the character growing into the Superman that way you know all the comic book nerds love yeah and seeing him grow into that which right. was a lot of that where's the heart in Superman by right. the time you get to Batman v Superman and he's like well he's getting there you know yeah. he's not that guy yet you know? yeah right so yeah I'm, I'm excited that they got him back and and was able to yeah work so I iron out the deal and all that stuff right. but I guess having said that not that I'm a fan of this show it was officially announced that he is going to hang up the, his hat at the Witcher so that he can right. go over and do and uh, do this I guess and be fully committed plus he's doing some other uh, Guy Ritchie movie I saw too he's coming right right yeah. I'm glad he's got a shot and I think that it, at least he's got someone like James Gunn mm-hmm. at the at, the, at the head of it saying yeah let's give them a shot yeah right exciting hell yeah it is moving on to a topic that you like near and dear to my heart and that's automobiles uh, Michael Mann has started to show some photos of Adam Driver as Enzo Ferrari in the Ferrari biopic that he's doing. Right. Which um, I'm excited that they're doing a biopic on him. I'm right. a, a little confused by this casting only because right, right. Uh, Enzo Ferrari, if we saw Ford versus Ferrari, the, the old man that plays uh, Ferrari in that is a pretty decent representation of what he looked like. Enzo was a little short, round guy, and uh, Adam Driver right. is gigantically tall and skinny, <laughs> so it's a weird <laughs> fit. But you know, you and I talked about this off transmission once. Once we saw the photo of uh, Adam Driver, kind of with his hair slicked back, all white, like Enzo, and wearing right. the dark glasses that Enzo always wore, sunglasses. I, it's something Michael Mann, when he does do biopic kind of stuff, he doesn't tend to go for. He just tends to go for the talent that he wants to work with. Right. Right. Not necessarily uh, someone who looks like the character he's playing. And the pr- prime example is in Public Enemies, he had Johnny Depp play right, yeah. John Dillinger. And John right. Dillinger and Johnny Depp look nothing alike. And they're about a foot right. difference in height, you know. Right. But So, you know, I, I, we obviously know yeah. that Adam Driver can uh, can act his pants off. So I, right. I think that's more... Well, there's usually never any worry about 
Michael Mann's talent that he picks coming to the movie and bringing the talent to pull the part off. Usually it doesn't look cosmetically like the real person. Only only thing we got to worry about is he going to do the House of Gucci Italian accent? <laughs> because right, that was right. a little over the top. And uh, yeah, I doubt he will. I hope he'll, he'll tone Well, I mean, you know, I think Adam Driver was probably the most subdued out of anyone in that movie as far <laughs> right, as the yeah. out, over the top accents. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think. I, I'm, I'm excited about it, but uh, a little skeptical just because Michael Mann doesn't have the best track record as of the last 15, 20 years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> His movies are not so great anymore. I haven't looked into it, but I think I remember he, they're doing that time period in the 50s, right? Isn't that? They're only doing a small section of his life. They're oh, not, I don't know. I, I don't think they're. This, I could be wrong. And I'm sure right. a lot of people can be screaming at me right now, if anybody was listening at all anyway. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I believe what they're doing is kind of taking a time period through the 1950s. And uh, in the 1950s is when Grand Prix racing got organized into Formula One. It started in 1950. Uh, there was Grand Prix racing before. Mm. There just wasn't no big giant sanctioning body. And the, the FIA basically created... Formula One sanction in 1950 and Ferrari is the only racing team in the 76 year history of uh, Formula One that has been in every season oh wow it's the only it's the only team crazy so and in the 1950s uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm giving away the movie but uh, almost every driver they had who uh, was extremely successful and all died <laughs> <laughs> oh no because it was very dangerous back then you know that was you know safety was that was Enzo was kind of criticized as being careless mm. more concerned about the cars than the than his drivers and that oh, the, the drivers were a tool and you know if you crash the car and the guy goes flying out and his head falls off hose down the seat a little bit and pop out some of those dents and let's get the next driver in there. <laughs> you know? So by basically what you're saying is the racers in this new movie are the red shirts. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that, if, if that is what we're, we're the, the movie's focusing on and it makes sense because you can't really see, uh, him aging into that character either, you know? Right, but even well, if you see pictures of Enzo when he was even racing in the 1920s, he was still a short, fat little Italian guy. <laughs> right, right. My joke all along, ever since this came out, my joke to you was that Paul Giamatti is a better fit for uh, Enzo Ferrari than Adam Driver ever was. Only if he has the over-the-top Spider-Man two accents that he has. <laughs> Daisy Wheeze. Um, yeah. There was a period of time in this Ferrari movie before Adam Driver was attached. Yeah. And it was, I think it was probably about five to ten years ago. Hugh Jackman was attached. Really? As, yeah, and I, I remember hearing that and just being like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a... Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, he's definitely... Uh, he's going for talent, I think, than anything else. Yeah, the accuracy, which is, is right. it, I don't know, that kind of bugs me a little bit because I, I feel like you can find talented actors that can yeah. at least somewhat look the part, you know. Right. No, I mean, even sure. as, even as weird as the the Anthony Hopkins Nixon thing, it's still kind of you know he yeah he still made it work, you know. I liked it a lot, and I thought he did tremendous. Like when, you, as far as for me, I'm a big Anthony Hopkins fan. So right, when right. even to this day, every time I'll I'll watch it, every, I'll catch it every now and again. And uh, five minutes in, 
I'm not thinking that's Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, but at least there's similarity in height. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like there's a foot and a half difference between (laughs) Adam Driver and the real Enzo Ferrari, but whatever. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You know, hopefully I'll be blown away and love it all because it's, you know, seeing sexy cars from the 1950s or whatever it's going to be, it'll be great. Yeah. As long as he gives you some some uh, money shots of the yeah, cars you yeah. Get. yeah I'm sure we're seeing this because of Ford versus Ferrari too I bet yeah. anything that's how he right. ends up getting it yep granted the cars in the 60s were a little sexier than the ones in the 50s but, <laughs> but still <laughs> hey man what do you want for nothing no shade baby no shade Next up is, uh, I read this, and HBO is doing a show on that movie Parasite that came out a few years ago that took everything by storm, and everyone thought it was the greatest movie ever. I think it even won Best Foreign Picture, I believe. Yeah, it won Best, it won best Picture. Okay, did you like it? I... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't love it. Yeah. I'll say that. Right, okay. Just because it was so obscure, I guess, kind of like the Squid Games thing. I think it was a little overrated, and and uh, but what I and just like Squid Games, I enjoyed the originality and the yeah. not pulling from stock that, you know, a right. regurgitated story I've seen a thousand times before. That's what I liked about. It. But I don't know if I ever got fully invested in the characters. What did you think in Parasite? Yeah, I was I was the same way. It's just that, but by the time I saw, because at that time I still worked in the theater. Uh, business and so right uh, it was hard to not hear the hype oh wow it's the greatest movie ever it's the mo- right. most original and unfortunately the thing that wasn't the thing that killed it for me that it's the greatest movie ever because you hear that about a bunch of really crappy movies so <laughs> that wasn't the thing the thing was people kept saying oh man it's got this twist that you're never gonna see coming you just got this tw-. everyone was saying that this thing about the twist and you figured it out well yeah I mean if I wouldn't have known that it was supposedly a twist, which I don't even right. consider it that a helped. twist. Yeah, right. I, I I wouldn't have judged it for that. I thought the performances were great. Yeah. I, I I wasn't in, in you know I, I like the originality, like you said, of of uh, it was something I hadn't seen a million times before and right. all that stuff. But right. you know it was a, it was a, it was a good movie. I wouldn't say right. it's a great movie, no. Right. But right. Uh, anyway, so HBO is doing a TV show on it, and it's not a. What they're saying is it's not a remake of the movie. It's basically other things happening inside the world of Parasite, which is Uh weird to me because it's from Adam McKay and the original director of the movie, which he is Bong Joo-ho. Yeah, it has Mark Ruffalo, and then apparently Tilda Swinton was supposed to be the female in it, but then she dropped out, but... There was no American character. Oh, you mean in the movie? In the movie. And so HBO is doing this. But they're making this American-based. A continuation of that movie we, we saw before. It takes place uh-huh. in that world. And it's an extension, they say, of that world. And it's called Parasite. But, but it's in the United States? Right. And that okay. just... I mean, who knows? But it's just an odd thing to me. Well, I think the, the, the whole social comment on that was about classism right, right that's what it yeah. was about and, totally. and i guess 
the only thing I can think of, you know, thinking Adam McKay and how he's very uh, topical uh, and yeah. he has a point to, to make. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, if I'm going to get on a, a soapbox for a moment, I'll just say that, you know, we're kind of slipping into a bit of a classist kind of thing these oh, days yeah. where the middle class is fading away and the yeah. wealthy are getting super, you know, all that horse shit. So I guess in that context, I can see where Adam McKay might be going with it, but then yeah. kind of bringing it to an, uh, an English-speaking American audience thing, I guess. Right. We'll see. You know, I mean, it, yeah. he's, I've, you know, Adam McKay's not doesn't miss too much, so. No, no. Be, because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. For me, I'm just left with, it's a part of this world, and it's like, okay, how am I, in my head, I'm trying to connect, well, how are you going to connect it to it? You know, you have to have yeah. some kind of con- connective tissue to that original movie, so how? And Right, and I guess... Hopefully he surprises us and go and we right. go. Oh, oh that's, that's how. nice. Yeah. Well played, Mr. McKay. All right, and then the last one. I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, I'm a, I'm pretty big into the Robert Edgar's guy. I like I like his stuff. I like the way he fucking goes ridiculously into detail and he's Right been obsessed with Nosferatu forever I guess and he's it's announcing that that's his next project is to do a, a modern take in his version of Nosferatu which I think he's gonna nail it <laughs> I don't see how he cannot nail it yeah I don't think I could think of another director alive or dead who would be the more perfect fit to do Nosferatu than this guy <laughs> yeah I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm interested to see who you know. I think they have mentioned the cast a little bit, but I've, I, yeah. I'm sure Anya Taylor, uh, uh, what's her name, is going to be in it. I right. think she is. I think yeah. she is actually. She plays the female character. Well, the interesting thing to me is that they have Willem Dafoe coming back to be in it, and I'm like, it's so weird because he's already played. Right. He yeah. played uh, Max Schreck in uh, Shadow of the Vampire. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's funny. But. Um, I doubt he'll be Count Orlock, though. Right. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I just think it's it's interesting he's entering back into that world. Yeah. I, I think that it, his experiences so far with Robert Eggers, you know, just even when he was talking press for uh, the Northman, he just seems like I, I'm going to do whatever this guy wants kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was he was basically saying that. And if you watch his uh, little, I think GQ's the ones that do that. Talk about your career. Yeah. He said that about Wes Anderson too. He's just like, if right. Wes calls, I'm wherever he needs. Yeah. Me, I'm there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do yeah. remember him saying that. Right. So I'm pretty excited about that. I don't know how long it's going to take. It'll probably, you know, they're going to have to build a castle right. that looks exactly using the material from 1922. If it takes exactly. place in 1922. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, you know. Daniel. Day Lewis is like, I need to work with this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming out of retirement. <laughs> oh man, that would be fucking rad. Can you imagine Daniel Day Lewis's Count Olaf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh man. Oh wow. So okay, we'll be looking forward to that. It's probably not out for another couple years, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. At a theater not near you anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And now a word from us. Ooh, 
my favorite peeps. So let's say you want to reach out to us, ask us some questions, or make comments that are not negative and mean. No, no, we're very sensitive. Or if you want to participate in some of the questions we ask each other on the show, answer them so we can see your answers. Right. Boy, am I right. If we, if you're going to try and look for us on Instagram or Facebook, it is TFTFP Podcast. Yeah, and we also have... Yes, yes. A shiny, mm-hmm. spick and spam little email address Ooh. that goes by the name of tftfppodcast at gmail.com. Mm, rolls right off the tongue, it does. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. also... Make sure you like, subscribe, and review us because that helps us with the algorithm thing <laughs> that everybody else says and I'm supposed to say. Spoken like a true professional, Tim. So, okay, spoiler-free zone. Let's head on into the spoiler-free zone and talk about some of the some of the shows we've been watching. So, since we recorded our first Hollywood hullabaloo, I had mentioned I think we were like almost halfway into the season of House of Dragons, and yep. now it's over. It's the first right. season's over. It's gone. And you didn't watch any of it, right? No, You're not interested. Mm, not okay. a one. So, I do like it. I do like it. Right. Okay. And you know, I think I was saying how some of the dragons look a little iffy. Yeah. I think I was saying okay. It as they get closer and further along, and they're doing a lot more close up. There are some dragon shots in there where you're like, "Holy shit, that thing's real!" Right. <laughs> so yeah. there's a weird contrast that happens. Like with some of the distance flying shots is where they look a little cartoony, but the ones when they're right there and the dude's climbing on it right. or petting it or taming the dragon, right? they look so good. They look, oh, it's so badass. Wow. And uh, I think I also mentioned how Matt Smith is stealing the show for me as Prince Damon. Uh, and um, I'd say the second half, it's Prince Aemond, who is their second son to the queen. As he reaches young adulthood, the, the actor they get to play him He's almost like the spinning image of Matt Smith in a way. They have that very angular face of the strong chin. Oh, right. And that kid is fucking rad. He is yeah. so good in it. He's so good in the show. Yeah. And, and fuck the original Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're on a new thing. That show shit the bed, and right. we all know it did. So right. I'm kind of almost treating this as a different thing. They are. They do do a lot of referencing to the series and uh right they mention the song of fire and ice like a thousand times oh wow but whatever i i like the world they set up some of the characters i did become really attached to and enjoyed watching them change because they do change quite a bit this this show covers like 20 years right. and 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 there is some actors that change of course, you right, know? Yeah. mostly the women change but some obviously the little boys and girls do too yeah as they grow older but um i think it was fun the only thing that i'm bummed out to hear is i just read that it the season two will not be out until early 2024. So it, right, right. We got like a year and a half to wait for season two. Warner HBO they they downshifted into uh, not just doing this show you're watching, but right. they they shot a pilot for another show that didn't make it for Game of Thrones, and then another one after that, and now they're doing a Jon Snow one and yeah. some other one now. Right. So I bet that their resources were probably like, let's see if this is a hit. Right before we go into season two now that i think now that they know they got a hit on their hands they'll probably have season two season three coming a year apart after this right 
you know, obviously it, it hang it ends on a kind of a cliffhanger, of course. And and what we're right. what season two has in store is going to be epic, as far as it, right. it, it better be. That's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, be, it better that. be. But that's how that's what they set up. You know, the whole this right. whole season was basically setting up what season right. two was going to start with. So right. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just bummed I have to wait a year and a half. <laughs> and and the and and I did I enjoyed all the performances. I think you know there's not a lot of everyone's good. Yeah, everyone's pretty good in it. Not a lot of fat and not meat. <laughs> yeah, right. The the guy who plays King Viserys is amazing. He's amazing in it. And and his dec- you know as he ages through the show, it's it's fucking cool. <laughs> it's really right. cool. Really cool effects they put on him and yeah. Here's another one I know you and I both watched, so we can at least spoiler-free talk about uh, the Dahmer series. So there was a weird thing that happened with this show. Apparently it was intentional, too, but they didn't do a lot of pre-promotion for it. They didn't push it, push it, push it. This is coming, this is coming. They just, the day it was released, here it's it's available, and here are... Here are trailers on net, on on YouTube and stuff, and that's pretty much the promotion that they did for this thing. And they let people just see, oh, it's. I mean, it was very prominent on when you hit yeah. the homepage for. Your, yeah, your homepage is Dahmer. It, right. Boom, there it is. Yeah. And uh, I think that worked for it because people didn't know what they were getting into. And then you get into that first episode, not to spoil anything, but it sets a tone that you're like, do I want to watch any more of this? I'm uncomfortable yeah, watching this. right. And we both must... Okay, well, first I'll, I will say, I, I feel like there's probably a double-edged reason for doing that. One, it did create a, a kind of a mystique yeah. about it. But two, I, it's almost kind of hard to promote something yeah. as dark and, and and be like, hey, come watch our, you know, our right. heinous serial killer show. Our celebration of a, a mass murder. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. but yeah, I, going with what you just said, I have to 100% concur. And, and I am a true crime junkie. Yeah, me too. I listen to true crime podcasts all the time. I watch true crime shit all the time. I, I, I right. we both are very interested in that weird serial killer thing. And, you know, we th- both are obsessed with Mindhunter, which is the right we have to yeah. mention them so i figured out this is my way of bringing them into every episode david fincher's right. uh we've even done a true crime version of this show. yeah we did do one right yeah <laughs> so i definitely learned stuff about uh jeffrey dahmer through this series that i did not expect yeah but but because of that the first two episodes i was like oh my wife immediately was like i'm out i can't do it it's too much and i'm like and she watches a lot of this stuff with me right but i'm not too surprised because i was barely holding on i was going oh shit and i think not because it's bad no no it's good it's great yeah it's so good that it i was uncomfortable and kind of second guessing my humanity watching it <laughs> right exactly and so exactly i think I, I i gave it about a week until episode three yep didn't you do something similar yep yeah yeah because i knew that if i went back in i wanted to give it a good amount of time to play out yeah for myself right and i was you know i watched the first episode and then the next day was a, a beginning of a work week so i was just like i don't want to get involved in it and then get into where I can only watch this many episodes you know what I mean I wanted to be able to the minute I got back into it to know if I watch episode two and three if I was still iffy I'm out yeah right and if it hooked me in then I'd just watch it straight through as much as I possibly could and so that was my whole theory behind that and uh just 
really great performances and one of the things not to not to spoil anything this is not a spoiler or anything but if you i was alive during when this whole stuff was going around Me too. and so i remember watching it on the news and seeing different victims of of jeffrey dahmer uh being mentioned on the news and there was one in particular i remember them mentioning so when that character shows up yeah in the show right it does one of those things where I know the outcome already, but I'm hoping against the outcome. Right? Already. Yeah, I, I know. Love it when I know. The show does that, or any piece of art like that does that. I remember too a long time ago that I think it was on Bravo, uh, maybe about 20 years ago. Uh, there was a, a reality TV series where they were following around three hopeful actors, and these were. Three act, three people who had just moved to Hollywood, did not have any careers, and uh, were trying to make it big. You know, right? Turns out one of them made it big. One of them ended up having right. to quit the show to play Jeffrey Dahmer, and that was Jeremy Renner. Right. Jeremy Renner was on this fucking reality show as a young, unknown actor, and I was like, right? I was like, oh wow, he's playing Dahmer. So then when that that movie came out a year later, I remember watching it and thinking, yeah, okay, this is okay. Uh, you know, not great, right. but it, you know, you, right. you kind of get the thing of it. So fast forward, whatever it is, 20 years to this one. And uh, what's right. Quicksilver's real name? Yeah, Evan Peters. So Quicksilver here, Evan Peters. <laughs> yeah, right. I think part <laughs> of the reason I was so off put yeah. by the first two episodes was because of how fucking amazing he is. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, it's but a good thing if he can, yeah. I This dude, he takes you somewhere, man. He, yeah, he, he does. He does something with this character in a way that I've never seen anybody do before, especially with someone right. so dark. And it's just this complacency and this nonchalantness in yep. how he just went through life and yeah. doing the deepest, grossest things any human has ever done and just being like, oh, you know, I just kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. soaked that's him in thing. acid, you know? I just right. kind of soaked right. him in acid. I don't know. Right. And <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is he gives he gives that character because the, the way he does that, that accent, you know, Dahmer didn't have that much of a Milwaukee, Milwaukee kind of yeah, accent. Right. Well, because he was in Ohio. I think he grew up in Ohio. Right. right. Yeah. Right. But he chooses that as an actor. He chooses that. And it really sets the tone of that character of how he's going to keep this thing going through through it. And there are moments in there. There's always this, for me anyway, especially when you get into big actors, in movies when things get a little weird or, or wonky or personal, you always feel there's a bit of vanity to it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. There's a little bit of too much vanity in, in Holly, big Hollywood movies sometimes. And this guy, Evan Peters, really makes you feel when you're watching him in these intimate or dark moments that he doesn't care if anyone's watching him or not. You know, yeah. he's raw. Right. And that's what makes you kind of want to, I don't know if I want to watch this <laughs> right. or not. You know? Right. Yeah. I think it's in episode three or so. It's a, maybe there's a little, I mean, if you know the story, you know the story. Uh, uh, right. He's, he's being interrogated by the two cops that... Uh, brought him in or whatever and one of them's white one of them's black and we all know a lot of his victims were uh, black guys and um, right. the black cop is expressing his 
his rightful rage towards Dahmer and, and kind of the way right. he's chosen his victims. And watching Evan Peters react to that guy and, and the, the outbursts, yeah. there's something that's so subtle, so subtle and yep. so toned down. It says everything, and, and it, it's a yeah. really great performance. But it's one of those it's one of those scenes where it's like you're watching a kid being interrogated yeah. because he doesn't re- he plays it the way Evan P- Peters plays it is he's playing it like. I know I did something wrong, but like, why are you mad at me? You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? He just he has these like hesitations where he's just kind of watching him and letting him get angry right. and say what he wants to say, but he's looking at him like, man, am I in trouble here? Yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> but, what are you so upset about? Man? <laughs> and then what? Casually continues on with the uh, right. Well, anyway, what I was saying anyway. was, <laughs> there's something <laughs> yeah. about that whole interaction. <laughs> It's right. really stuck with me through the whole thing. And he's not the only great standout performance. Oh, God, Everybody no. in the show, yeah. every single person is great. One of my f- tip-top favorite character actors that's going right now is Richard Jenkins. Yeah. And that guy yeah. just smashes it in this movie. Right. He I plays mean, he's so good. Mr. Dahmer, he plays his dad. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe the lady, uh, uh, the actress Niecy Nash from... Uh, Reno 911 was the neighbor lady. It yeah. took me a while to put that together, and because because it's such a departure from that right. TV series, you know, and she's so funny in that show. Uh, that she's amazing in it too. She has she, these moments of like this in Dahmer, yeah, yeah, in Dahmer. She has these tense moments that you're just like holding your breath for her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, anybody who I'm sure everybody's seen it by now, but if you haven't right. and you're into this kind of stuff, um, I mean, it's a, it's it's tough. But I think I, you know, I think it caught a lot of slack in the beginning for glorifying right. Jeffrey Dahmer and all that stuff. But that was one of the reasons why I was like, how are they getting away with that? Cause in that first episode, you think if it stays like this, right. This is, I feel bad watching it. Right. Because right. It is glorifying, but it, doesn't stay that course no i think it, it, it humanizes the show because it's over 10 episodes and and right. uh you know you start to follow uh victims and and and, right. and what they from their perspective and all that stuff and you know right. the, the family members and their perspective and what happens in a real crime basically is how the butterfly effect happens where this person does this thing to this person yeah and then that the affects ripples. that family right. and this family right. and, f- and friends and all yeah it really does depict that quite well right and so so i think yeah like you were saying it when that one of those critiques were coming out was when i was only like a couple episodes in and i was, right. I, was I think it was also contributing to my hesitation on wanting to continue yep. on but then I you know my my true crime morbid curiosity got the best of oh, me a week later and then yep. I, I felt like they were respectful to the victims and, and, and gave just as much credence and credit and you know respect yeah. to those people as they you know they did to Jeffrey you know right that's a, that's a hard line to cross you know especially oh, yeah. in, in the age where everybody's super sensitive about stuff like that right. you know oh totally yeah, I mean, the one that you're talking about that was done way back when with Jeremy Renner, that was a typical slasher yeah, direct-to-DVD right. kind of film right. back then. And they were doing a bunch of them, like BTK yeah. and Gacy and Gacy, stuff. And it wasn't Bundy. like, no, they weren't holding, but they were just doing gore-filled shit yeah. just to shock you. They were making horror movies out of right. serial killers, basically. Yeah, right. there was there was exactly. one of every one. There was a Ted Bundy one. Ted Bundy, yeah. yeah. seeing Dahmer for some reason on Netflix too I think it's yeah it is it's Netflix on Netflix as well 
they have um, that uh, movie about Eileen Wuornos, the monster movie. With uh, Charlize Theron? Right. Well, she won her Oscar for that. With Charlize Theron and Christina Ricci. and Yeah. Yeah, and that popped up. And I hadn't seen it since it opened. I remember really being impressed with it back when it opened. And that popped up probably because I watched Dahmer. Yeah. And uh, uh, I rewatched that just because it was, you know, it was there. And I go, oh, I haven't seen that in a while. And man, oh, man. It's good. Great work in that movie. She's amazing in that movie. Yeah, she transformed. She transformed yeah. and, and does the same thing I was commenting on Evan Peters for. She she totally is just this raw performance. Doesn't care what she looks like or care right. what she's saying or how she's. You know, it, it, all of that stuff just disappears. It's really raw and just really. Well, there's something very distinct about Eileen Warnos and yeah. her almost wounded kind mm-hmm. of personality that insecurity anger yeah. that she had yep and and Charlize captures that so like just that Beautiful. kind of harshness and anger and all of yeah. her yeah. yeah yeah I haven't seen it in a long time so yeah it was I just saw, I caught that one so it holds up it, it oh, holds man. up as well. so yeah. so well so all so right. well I might have to check that one out again yeah I think they took some liberties on some of the story but, oh yeah um, for sure yeah the yeah. real Eileen was definitely a little cuckoo and out there in real life and changing her stories here and there. Well, and I, I think that's what it was, right? In the movie, they kind of make it more of a sympathetic. Yeah. No, that you um, have to feel sympathy for your main character in a movie. Right. You're not going to get that movie made if you do not have that arc. Right. right. And I don't think the real Eileen Warnos was very sympathetic. No. You know, she that wasn't. whole, like, you feel bad, victimized, made her being a serial killer thing. No, I think right. she was a little more brutal than that <laughs> right yeah and th- that's what makes this the, the, the draws you into the character right, right. i know what you, i know what you're saying of course yeah 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 oh, well i'm gonna mention one that i hadn't planned on mentioning but i've been watching it and i'm really digging it if you're into any kind of historical drama stuff there's one on stars right now called the serpent queen and it stars uh, Samantha Morton as uh, Catherine Medici, who was um, the queen of, she's Italian, but she's the queen of France during uh, what would be like uh, the end of Henry VIII's reign and the most of Elizabeth I's reign. And right. her dealings with Mary, queen of Scots, before she gets kicked out of France. It's it's really good, really fun and well done. You know, she's... She, she does some fourth wall uh, breaking, you know, talking oh, to wow. the camera kind of stuff. And then I always really liked Samantha Morton anyway. Oh, yeah, I know. She's know. fabulous, yeah. Yeah. It's fun to see her. Uh, I haven't seen her in anything in a while. and um, Right. She's, she plays this character, this kind of scheming, chess-playing queen lady. That's It's right. really cool, really fun. And, of course, you know, it's... It's done well, mm-hmm. you know. It's not not like the the tutors, which, which you mention in the upcoming episode. I think I say in our. I'm going to correct myself now. When that episode comes out, I think I say in that episode of the tutors that I like the tutors. I've since rewatched it a second time. It's terrible. I don't know why I thought I liked it. It's John, Jonathan Reese Myers is garbage. I, I think I said the only thing he was ever good in was the tutors. All right. And then I, so I'm. You'll if you guys hear that down the road. <laughs> Strike that. Yeah, check that. Uh, he's terrible. Henry Cavill should have been Henry VIII in that movie, in that TV series. He plays his best friend in the series. Going right. back to Superman again. But um, right. anyway, I'm, I'm correcting myself for an episode that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. 
Uh, we'll just get off a couple of Star Wars shit real quick. Uh, I think Andor is at this point three quarters of the way done. Um, really? It, I'll many tell you what. Episodes is it? I, th- I think it's like twelve. I'm, but I, you oh, know, wow. I was totally, I was totally wrong on House of the Dragons last episode. I think I said eight, and it, it was ten. But I think it's twelve, and and it, but it's just real long, drawn out. But I think you know, uh, as I'm watching it, I'm. Uh, once it comes to an end, I think, well, maybe it could be one episode less. Right. But I don't know if it could be much more than that. And and I feel like sometimes good storytelling takes its time. Oh, and, yeah. You know, you don't need to, you know, we're kind of in a world where we've even, even us older guys have gotten used to the quicker pacing of everything. Right. And then when you go back and watch our, you know, like our old Stanley Kubrick movies, we think, wow, this is, he's really taking his time with this storytelling right. isn't he you know yeah. what I mean a lot of movies yeah. back in the 70s were slower paced and, yeah. I, and I kind of feel that about this show and the, when it does get suspenseful it's really good suspense and um, I think uh, they are developing the character and the world you know they're kind of doing some stuff which is kind of like, uh, filling in some gaps not you know, not like story wise but just kind of vibe and tone wise in the universe as you're heading into Rogue One that uh, yeah, I kind of get the feel for what's going on there, you know. Right. It, but it is it is a very adult show, and it's it's um, serious and slow paced and that's and awesome. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I, I, I yeah. have nothing but respect for Disney for allowing them to do something like that instead of hey, make sure Chewbacca's in it or make sure. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, so there's not much, since you haven't seen anything about it yet, I'm, I'm not going to say much more. But I will say real quick, last night, I, sh- I think, was it last night or maybe two nights ago, I yeah. shotgunned all six episodes of Tales of the Jedi. And holy fuck, that is good. Holy fuck, it is so good. It is so fucking good. It's taking all that Clone Wars material from the cartoon and right. some of that other, you know, and the prequels and all that stuff. And again, also setting it in a very adult tone and very serious and and it's filling in this one is definitely filling in gaps in stories there you're like okay i always wondered about this and some of them are huge you're gonna be like oh fuck no way you know and what's great is each episode is in different time periods but they're all kind of around the the um the prequel times and some before some after some during and uh, what's really cool is there is one episode with a Qui-Gon from the Phantom Menace period, and Liam Neeson is voicing him. Oh, that's so <laughs> awesome. Yes, it that's is awesome. all I need to hear to be there. Yeah, you cannot mistake his voice. I'm getting oh, goosebumps no. just hearing him. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a younger version of him, too, but that, he's so young that it's not Liam Neeson's voice right, in, another, in another episode. But, right. oh, man, it's, it, and it's all, like, when you watch the credits, executive produced, David Filoni. Written of by course. Dave Filoni, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Set designed by Dave Filoni. Whatever you know what I mean. All well, that's he. That, he's he's my man. He is the, he is the shit. I would bet you that that was a show that he had in his mind. Like there was always something that I wanted to do in Clone Wars, but we yes. couldn't jump time a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. So that's awesome that they came up with a way to do that. He himself, you know, listening to him talk about the prequels and all that stuff, he's done so much for me of make changing my mind on those movies because yeah. I was one of the ones who was not so thrilled about the prequels. I didn't hate them. Right. No. I didn't hate them. I did watch them multiple times. Yeah. You know, I wasn't I wasn't one of those that said fuck them. Right. I did enjoy them, but I did also see that they were not that great. Right. He's done this thing somehow where in explaining 
yep. what's going on in those movies. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, wait, that, this is gorgeous storytelling. Yeah. And I, I never paid attention, I guess. And a lot of what these little, because the, a lot of these things are short the, on the tales from, some of them are like 15 you know, oh, 20 wow. minutes long. And then, right. you know, like the old, old, old original, actual hand drawn animated Clone Wars. Yeah, Clone yeah. Wars. Exactly. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, um, God damn, he's doing that same thing again where he's right. figuring out a way to retcon shit so that it's not cheesy and it makes it great. And then also just answering some crazy mysteries that you're like, what, what's right happening with this person? Just with what what he was able to do with when he was involved with Clone Wars, just that yeah, endeared yeah. me more to the prequels. Then I remember thinking like, wow, this is just deeper than anything we got. And I get that it's a bigger canvas for that story to tell, right, uh, to paint right. that picture of the Clone Wars and stuff and really make it an epic thing instead of just squeaking, squeezing it into a two and a half hour movie kind of thing like that. But just what he did in that show right. of Clone Wars, when you, when you get to see... Uh, Obi Wan, that show right. that they did when Ewan McGregor came back. Yeah, seeing that, I remember not not again no spoilers, but just seeing that and certain things that happen in that show, yeah. I would get choked up because yeah. I was like, oh <laughs> man, I, I, yeah. I yeah, well you might again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I will. Well, and 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 he somehow created one of the stronger greatest characters who didn't start out that way in, right. in a so in a Sokotano. You know, right. I remember. I, the first time I tried to watch the Clone Wars, I struggled with it because I found that character a little annoying. And right. then as the seasons go on, you're like totally on her side and rooting yep. for her. And then, you know, she shows up in, in The Mandalorian and yeah. the Book of Boba Fett. And you're like, holy fuck, this is right. rad. Yeah. And Rebels, you know, she's in right. all of that. So, and, you know, she plays a pretty prominent part in what these these little episodes are, too. Okay. Awesome. So uh, anybody who's a Star Wars fan, I will say this is about as good of you know as that final season they did last year, you know, a year and a half ago. Being that she plays a prominent part in this new animated thing, who did they get to voice her? Is it Rosario Dawson? No, it's, they went. They went they back. Went back with, they okay. went back with all the original. That's yeah, cool. All, That's cool. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Nothing against Rosario. I think she's a great no. live action version, but I mean, to keep in context with what came before her. Okay, so uh, yeah, they do bring back uh, uh, Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka Tano, the voice, and because she awesome. created that voice, and right. um, that's very near and dear to her. And I'm I'm sure after finding out about um, Rosario doing the live action version, she's probably thrilled to be able to do some more work. Because I know I've, I've heard a lot of interviews with her. She's absolutely in love with this character. All right, of course. How could you not be? Right. She's helped develop it. So um, I'm glad for her that she got to uh, get back uh, and do it. But La Matt Lanter is also returning as Anakin, the voice of Anakin, and awesome. James, Arnold, James Arnold Taylor is doing Obi-Wan. Yeah. Matt Lanter really did save that... Uh, Anakin, yeah. That Anakin for me until, you know, Obi-Wan comes along and does what it does. But uh, Right, right. You know, and I then, know, because it was rough watching... Young Hayden in yeah. those two movies. It's, right. it's, it's, I, yeah. Uh, yes, I, I and I don't blame him as an actor. He was a young actor. No. And I think if he would have had nothing against George Lucas, but he's a, he's a post production director, not a current production director. Right. If he would have had a stronger director, he would have had someone go up to him and say, better hey, performance. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, let's do this a little differently. Yeah, right. Kind of like the way Irvin Kirshner did for Empire right. Strikes Back. And, of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I 100% agree. And then seeing what James Arnold Taylor was able to 
do his own spin on Obi-Wan, but also right. you hear a little bit of, of e- Ewan McGregor, Ewan and you McGregor hear a little bit of uh, Alec, Guinness. Alec Guinness in there, and right. that's just yeah. brilliant. Yeah, there's a, it's almost like the three versions of yeah. them, you know, all yeah. meld into one. Yeah. But um, uh, anybody who's a Star Wars fan, especially an older Star Wars fan, and right. uh, enjoyed the Clone Wars show, uh, will, will absolutely love it this series it's fucking rad and it's 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 again it's top notch star wars storytelling in in, in my opinion i can't wait so uh you know we talked about the Dahmer miniseries on netflix uh and every time they're they bring back one of these crazy serial killers they tend to bring back the conversations documentaries because someone's got some tapes (laughs) right right stowed away somewhere yeah Last year it was Gacy, and yep. uh, the year before that, when Zac Efron was playing Bundy, they had the conversations with Ted Bundy documentary. That was amazing one. That Bundy one was crazy. Yeah, it was. So they they uh, maybe a few days or a few oh, or maybe it was a week. I don't remember after Dahmer came out on um, Netflix, this conversations yeah with with Dahmer tapes came out, and yep. uh, it it you know. It brings you back there pretty good. It, it, yeah. They had that woman. She was his lawyer, yeah. She was lawyer, appointed to be right. his lawyer, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, She yeah, had yeah. the conversations she had with him, and, and just hearing some of those things that uh, she got on tape and still has, and the way he, yeah. you know, you can hear him in his own words describe some of the things. And she even goes into to great detail about his demeanor during it, how he describes yeah. it, right. you know, and how it seemed like he, he was kind of in a trance when he's talking about certain things. Right. It's just crazy to hear some of that stuff and, and have it not fictionalized, but you're hearing the right. guy right. say this stuff. The it's actual like guy. Crazy. Yeah. And, 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 you also there's a little more of the deeper darker yeah. gruesome details are in yeah. that you know that that's that the show doesn't which yeah. probably for good taste reasons doesn't get into but i think for you know. sure yeah when you get into documentary things they tend to go a little bit more dark darker deeper roots with yeah. it and i think you know th- there's definitely two ways to look at it of course if i were the family member of a victim of some some horrible crime by anyone not just Dahmer but by anyone or something I don't know I I, I don't think you can ever truly say but I don't know that I would be into even searching out that stuff anymore I wouldn't want so if something were coming out about it I don't necessarily yeah. think I would be like, oh, I wonder what they say about my, the yeah. person that, you know what I mean? That's totally different. Yeah. It would yeah. probably turn you off of true right. crime. Exactly. No, for sure. And so. Especially if it was something like a, with a little bit of notary, even if it's just local, you know? Right. Yeah. And so, you know, there's always those things that uh, come out. And sometimes if you already know some of the details from news reports of what they were doing yeah. here or there what happened to this person or that person even if it's light like you don't understand the documentaries that tend to get into the deeper darker subjects of what happened or what really went into some of the things that happened to these poor victims and stuff those are the the types of documentaries that i think some people don't understand why other people are into them but yeah, there is right. that like you were saying earlier that morbid curiosity of like yeah. you know i've heard all of these things but what exactly happened to yeah you know and so and netflix tends to dive a little deeper than i think a lot of other documentaries really do yeah i mean H- H- hbo does too sometimes but uh, yeah yeah, uh, yeah for sure there there's there's um 
there's always going to be people out there that just don't get it, you know? And I get it. I get that why they don't get it. I totally get why oh, they don't oh, get yeah. it. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I want to watch it. I yeah. want to watch it, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I can't, yeah. It's, yeah. There's there is something just we I think we talked about it in our true crime episode yeah. that there is something just fascinating about the depravity of how far humanity can go right you know because every time you think you kind of know the depths something new happens to make you yeah think, well how the hell did this happen you know <laughs> right I right. want to explore this and figure out how this guy got this way or this person got this way I think it's just so interesting too how once the term was coined serial killer right it almost seemed like we were in an era of serial killers and then they faded out i don't think it's true though i think I they yeah. still do exist i think there's a lot of people that's really good at it now <laughs> yeah they just they've learned from yeah. all these documentaries right. if i'm gonna be a serial killer I, you know i right. need to not do what these guys do it's one of those things and i don't know why but it, i i i don't know if i'm doing this correctly and this is what it really is to me but i'm fascinated by true crime stuff the same way i'm fascinated by when there's a documentary on any kind of addiction i want to see that because mm-hmm. it fascinates me when people slip into something like i spent a hundred thousand dollars and i'm a hundred thousand dollars in debt on buying lottery scratch off lottery tickets and stuff yeah. and i'm just like to me i'm just like how do you get there Right, right. But yeah, that stuff, you know, that's why, you know, I think I watched the first two seasons of Hoarders and I watched that yeah, show Intervention yeah. and it's just how fucked up can things get and how does it get there, you know? Right, right. Yeah. I think it's exciting, but uh, a new season of uh, Unsolved Mysteries has come out on Netflix as well. Oh, and man. That, the new version of that show is phenomenal it's great the true crime episodes in that show are so gut-wrenching you're yeah. you, that's that's also another one i have to watch it in parts you know yeah. what i mean i can't shotgun or binge yeah unsolved mysteries unless i catch you know one with that's backed with one of the paranormal ones right, then right. i can do it you know right but usually the, the every one of the true crime stories that you i'm usually like really like wow yeah it's rough <laughs> yeah. man right yeah. so i think they're like half half released on season th- three right yeah. now and, and they're so good the quality yeah. is so good oh man I, also i mean it's so well done but also you put that music because i grew up on that show yeah you know? i know and so you put that music on there and then you have that silhouette of silhouette of, of Rob Rob yeah, yeah. yeah oh man love it so uh, anybody into that stuff should check that out for sure oh yeah So obviously, you know, a lot of stuff has been coming out over the last five years is kind of resurgence of 80s stuff. And uh, we'll talk like specifically Top Gun Maverick, which broke all kinds of brought brought people back to the movie theaters. Right. You know, billion dollars, a billion dollars. That's crazy. I don't think anyone, I don't think Tom Cruise himself thought this movie's going to make a billion (laughs) dollars. Right, right. Uh, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is another one, right. uh, and um, of course, series-wise, Stranger Things is 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 not merely a regurgitation, but it's right. definitely capturing the vibe of the. It's 80s harping that, off of it, yeah. Yeah, and and so that's another one that kind of, um, in a way, it's it's taking from that time period and trying to recreate it. Right, right. But I think you and I have kind of a different uh, perspective on them, right? 
Yeah. I think you, you're maybe, and it, this probably has to do with our age difference. Age di- oh, it has everything yeah. to do with our age difference. I, I, right. I was thinking about this when I first saw the note about it, and here's my theory on wh- why I, I know, like with things like Stranger Things and Ghostbusters, when you and I talked about it, you say, ah, the kids thing, and blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I think for me, I grew up in the heart of the right. 80s. I was a yeah. kid in the heart of the 80s, so by the time, right. like, take Ghostbusters. By the yeah. time Ghostbusters comes out, yeah, I'm like seven. Right, right. So the sequel comes out in 89, so it was like five years later. Uh-huh. That's right. At, I'm at the end of that period of my childhood. So that right. hits me right in. You're already way past that. Yeah. So yeah. You, you may have been into Ghostbusters when it came out, the first one. But by the time the second one comes out, you're already probably 17. Yeah. Yes. What I do was, you give um, a shit? Yeah, I, I didn't. I don't right. think I, I was like, kind of excited. But then I, for, I remember forgetting about that movie and not liking it at all. Ghostbusters 2. Right. right. No, but oh, I mean, I remember specifically it was Ghostbusters came out. I went and saw it a second time right after I moved to Tucson. And I did, I had like uh, the t shirt with the, right. the thing. And I even had a, I think we talked about this another thing. I had the painter's cap too, right. which was a thing in the 80s where you had uh, like a French Foreign Legion painter's <laughs> cap. And <laughs> and I had the Ghostbusters, it says, Who are you going to call on the top? And Or right. I've been slimed. And it had the emblem with slime. Anyway. Right. Yeah. So, but I was also that was the end of it. I was I was about uh, right. fourteen, thirteen at that point when that first one came out. And, right. Uh, yeah. So here's what I identified it with, though, to to kind of un- for me to make it understand in my head of if that is where I'm at and my age seeing Ghostbusters and that makes it really important to me as far as nostalgically hits me yeah. right in the feels. How old are uh-huh. you when you first saw the first Star Wars? I was four. Four, so four, yeah. right in that perfect age, man. Yeah, yeah. Soaks you right in. So what? Three years later, how old are you yeah. when Empire comes out? I was seven. Yeah, there exactly. you go. Yeah, yeah, right and Raiders of the Lost, Raiders of the Lost Ark is the same right. time period too. Yeah. So that age where you those things that you react to now is right. those things in my age that I react to. So I think that's what makes us off kilter on some of these things. Uh, okay, Ghostbusters Afterlife had some some stuff going on for it i guess for you but for the most for well i'm just saying but here's the thing you want to talk about raiders of the lost ark indiana jones five or whatever it was four four what's that what's that yeah fourth one right everybody admits that thing is garbage right right Right. there's i don't care how near and dear to my heart uh indiana jones was because i've been wanting to be indiana jones my entire life basically because i was seven years old and that movie caught me off guard when i was seven years old right well i mean in my opinion though indiana jones even steven spielberg and harrison ford have come forward after that movie came out and said yeah it was not great it wasn't good and it didn't come from the same place whereas i think that ghostbusters afterlife in my opinion for a fan of that movie especially in the nostalgia part it's really hitting in a certain realm and trying to be something that's connected to that in a pure way, not in a, oh, I guess we'll better do another one kind of thing. And so that's the difference for me between Indiana Jones and Crystal Skull and Ghostbusters Afterlife. I, I can look at Afterlife and I can, I'm just seeing 
it just feels like it's trying too hard to me. Well, it's yeah, trying uh, too hard. And, and well, I mean, uh, that's where I think it actually it's it's good for that because at least Ghostbusters Afterlife is trying, whereas I don't think uh, Indiana Jones and a Crystal Skull really was. I just think it was those guys getting back together and said, "Well, this is the best we can do. I want to play this part again. Let's just do it." And then they come back and say they didn't. Whereas Ghostbusters Afterlife, I mean, I know when you saw it. Finally, and then told me what you thought. You said, well, they're just trying to pander it to kids kind of thing. That was what you said to me. Yeah, because they had the Stranger Things kid in it. Right. And uh, the kids were being the... Right. Yeah, the kids are being the Ghostbusters and... I didn't feel a connection to the original movies, really. I think I think they tried. I think they tried with the and, and it was touching. I think when you know at the end, I got emotional when the ghost of uh, uh, Hale Ramis, the Egon. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, that was right. great. I, I just I guess it's that whole maybe it was a little too. I don't know. It just didn't hit me. It just right. didn't hit me at all. Right. And I felt like the. I just. I just felt like it was trying too hard to to create that nostalgia that it didn't. It gotcha. felt fa- false to me. See, exact opposite for me because they the director sets the tone with the Ghostbusters score is in there from the original one, which the second one didn't yeah. even use. I'm a big score guy anyway, so that probably yeah. hit me. That got me right in the mood of the movie. Plays uh-huh. on those things, and then the kids thing. I looked at it as this. We had Ghostbusters 2, which basically was trying to be Ghostbusters 1 all over again, yeah, having the guys yeah. come back. You can't do that again with those guys. They're too no, old, they're all too old to play that yeah. the way it is. So have them in the amount of the movie that it was, I thought worked so perfectly for me because if it were in the whole thing, yeah. I thought I was just, by the end, I would have been like, okay, well, they're too old to be doing this. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right. You no. know, so I, I get it, that. I get to, it. To get them back in, and then also, I, you and I, I think, see Stranger Things a little differently. I, I'm a little bit more in favor of it because I see it harkens back to certain things that I remember. That yeah. The AIDS that they are in that show was pretty much the AIDS I was in the years that they they're, were, yeah. they're going mm-hmm. through. So, and the kids thing, now I have a kid. And yeah. so seeing them continuing the generations on for new Ghostbusters. For, with Ghostbusters, for kids, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess I felt like uh, they were too young for me to, to buy that they were going to be capable of doing any of this shit. I just right. felt like they needed to be a little more mature or... Uh, you know, because you, you think of what those guys were. They were in their, what, probably early 30s at that point when they create the Ghostbusters team in the right, first right. movie, right? You know, right. I feel like Paul Rudd was probably more the right age for me for a continuation than, I mean, even though he's an older version, Paul, Paul Rudd's an anomaly because he's like, he's, he's 50, like 50, but he right. looks 35. 30, right, you yeah. know what I mean? You yeah, know, no, totally. I'm just saying his vibe, and he has mm-hmm. a youthfulness about him. I guess I, I guess I thought I saw that's where it was going, and then it, it ended up being I thought it was like Stranger Things on film. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the Paul Rudd thing, I can totally see how people might be interpreted that yeah. this is the way it's going to go. Newer comic actors taking over this role, but I think that they went another way, especially after that female Ghostbusters thing. You know. Yeah. Right. And that I, I've never seen it. Right. And I think they saw people don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> with right, that right. movie, and so uh, I think it was. Uh, smart decision right, right. In, in my opinion yeah. to to go towards the kid thing because one you have uh, younger actors that you can sign to multi pictures and if this continues on in a franchise then you have all new actors and you can sometimes have the old ghost, Ghostbusters drop by and do that stuff right. instead of having big comedy actors come in and then you have to pay 20 million dollars every freaking day. yeah alright well let's move on to Top Gun Maverick where I am going to be severely outnumbered but um, right. I felt the same way 
that I felt the Top Gun Maverick and and Ghostbusters Afterlife was the same thing to me. I felt like it was um, using these tricks to kind of recreate something, and for right. me, I didn't connect. I, I, I did not like Top Gun. I'm like probably one of seven people who did not like Top Gun Maverick. It, there's moment I thought it was fun, and and right. and I you know the the jet stuff. You can't deny that. You, right. you know the fact that they had the balls to to use real jets and all that. That was beautiful and amazing to watch. That's all Tom Cruise right there. No one else, no other movie star would have got that done except would for Tom Cruise. Would able to do Cruise. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I, I don't like Tom Cruise. So. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I think he's overrated. Right, but, which um, is already a hindrance to you. So, But I thought, that, you know, all the, the – I don't know. I just felt it well, was – Well, did, did you like the first Top Gun? Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, I did. I, I, I loved it. That was the same – that was like a year later after uh, Ghostbusters, I think, yeah, or yeah. a year or two. Yeah, two, I remember yeah, that I summer. Yeah, I I really loved it. I thought it was great. Um and it, but then it it's one of those ones that doesn't age well because okay. and, and and exactly why Tom Cruise did what he did with Maverick with the planes. He they caught that movie caught a lot of flack from the original one I'm talking about from real pilots saying oh, yeah. None of the shit in that shit is real. You can tell it's fake and blah, blah, blah. So then, you know, he's like, if I'm going to do it again, I'm not going to let that happen again. Right. And I applaud him for that. And it's cool. It's great. Right. It's some, some of the coolest action filmmaking uh, ever. Right. <laughs> but the story is just corny and cheeseball. Right. Right. <laughs> I just say, and I know it's supposed to be. Oh, right. But um, I, was, I was hoping, I guess this is what I, this is probably where it let me down. Right. I was hoping that since he elevated the fly, the flying and the reality of that part, that they would elevate the, the cheesiness of the story a little bit too. Right. And right. they did not. They, right. they, they, it was basically a continuation. And right. I, I, think I was not buying the whole the thing between him and uh, Jennifer Connelly at all. Right. At all. It just right. was not work. And you know. Right. So, I don't know. I, I, like I'm gonna be beat up for this because I'm like. You know the movie, like you said, it made a billion dollars, and yeah, right. Everybody, even all these famous people, are talking about how great it was. Right. You know. Well, I mean, I you, here's the thing: it's if you elevate the story to something that the first one wasn't, then it's not Top Gun. So you have to keep it in that realm. And yeah. he, he knew that. I know. I know. It's all of that stuff that you're saying that you enjoyed about the film, which is the fighter jet stuff. I think that's what's yeah. pulling people back over and brought this thing to a billion dollars because you know what you're seeing on screen for the most part is real. And that's an anomaly these days. Right. And so I think it's really smart what he did. And you keep that story like the original one. And that's what gets butts back in seats. Because if just because you don't like it yeah. doesn't mean everyone else doesn't like it. And they have fun. And I saw it, too. And, I mean, it's not my most favorite film ever. But I had fun watching it. I thought it was a great watch. Yeah. Which is why they held out. He held out for so long. Right. You know, yeah. Which is, you know, you got to give him credit for that. I, I, do, I, yeah. I think Cruz is one of the few going in Hollywood right now that can get things done like this movie. All as much real as possible. And he has the clout to do it if you don't count the mummy. Yeah. But yeah. with this film, Top Gun, and with his Mission Impossible films, all of that stuff, he strives for an event. 
making an event so you can go see it and see things that you haven't ever seen before. And I really admire him for doing that because it's like old timey Hollywood now. Yeah. But you you don't even really like him, so that's kind of on top of what you're gonna see is judged by that automatically. You know. Part of it is the Scientology weirdness, and right. And, and but but the other the other part of it is. I don't seem to give a shit about what he's making. The only two movies I can think of in the last 20 years hmm. that he's made that I want to watch is uh, Edge of Tom- is it Edge of Tomorrow? Edge of Tomorrow, the, the right. alien one. Yeah. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat. That movie's fucking rad. Yep. And Collateral, with, uh-huh. which is a Michael Mann movie. Right. Uh, uh, you know. The last good Michael Mann movie. <laughs> yeah, they're going full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his performance in that is great because he, yeah. he is pushing the boundaries and, right. and, and finally saying, okay, I don't have to be... You know, there is that kind of old Hollywood thing. Yeah. Like when you used to hear about Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, I don't want to do the Terminator anymore because he's a bad guy. Right. You know, and, and so they make him a good guy. Right. And then he played... You know, that whole kind of ego thing, that yeah, shit yeah. annoys the fuck out of me. I'm right, like, right, right. Come on. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Push the envelope every now and then. You know what right. I mean? All the great actors do it, so yeah, yeah. and I know he has the talent to pull it off sometimes. And there's something weird about his intensity that creeps me well, out. Yeah, too. and and I mean that's bringing in his personal, his real self into his movies and judging it on that. Yeah. And I do the same thing. I do that, not to pick on the guy for his recent uh, health issues that's that's just recently been revealed. But I I felt the same way about Bruce Willis back in the day. Right. I did. I I saw him in interviews and he always came off as like a dickhead to me. Yeah. But I like a few of his movies and stuff, and it's just a way of having to disassociate you know yeah but i mean tom cruise i'm not the biggest diehard tom cruise fan or anything like that i just appreciate that he basically found a niche that really no one else is doing and uh he's he's really good at it you know he he brings the entertainment to films even if you don't like the plot sometimes you come out and you're saying man that was some great set pieces kind of thing and i i appreciate that yeah and it's working for him so let him a billion dollars (laughs) right Speaking of Tom Cruise and taking a risk, he did take a risk as uh, uh, the vampire Lestat back in the 90s, you know? Right. Um, So, but in the last episode, we talked about the upcoming Interview with the Vampire TV series, and I have watched three episodes of it, and I was a little concerned. The cheapness isn't so bad. Right. You know, as I was worried about in the trailers, it, it, you know, you can tell they did spend a lot of money on the show. Right. Uh, I'm, I can't say I'm loving the show though. Unfortunately, right. I tried, I really tried and I really wanted to Well, I mean, that, love it from everything I've read. It seems to be the general consensus out there. So it's kind of medium blah. I think it's, I don't know. I think they, I think to try and modernize it and diversify it, you know, they, they ventured a little too far off the beaten path of the original books and because Louis is a completely different person he's not the same person from the books he's completely right. different and I'm not just talking about a skin tone he's he was born like a hundred years later and uh, oh, okay yeah he was born in like 1901 and it, that this throws off the whole wait a second he was you know I guess maybe because the original Louis was a plantation guy Oh, right. And they're trying not to, you know, they're trying to be a little more culturally sensitive. I guess I can respect that, but... Right. The performances are great. Right. I think the the guy who plays Louis and the guy who plays Lestat are... They're nailing it. They are nailing it. Right. The guy playing Lestat compared to the books, yes, I get it. Yeah, I can see it. I just want him to be a little more monstrous, I think. And he's a little too lovey-dovey sensitive. You know what I mean? 
Right. And I don't really remember feeling that way about the Lestat of the book being... I mean, right. he, you know, he obviously he loved Louis. Right. But I don't remember him being like, uh, you know, romantic with Louis at right. all. You know what I mean? Right. So, um... And it almost gives me a, um, a mild respect for the Tom Cruise performance because it was more harsh right. and a little more... Um, playful. Playful and angry. Yeah. There was a lot of anger. You know, I, right. I, I just feel like Lestat was kind of like, kind of walked on an edge. Of, right. uh, you know, you never know what he's going to... You know, he's being charming, but then he's fucking like ripping your throat out. Right. And, right, yeah. No, it was definitely interesting and in it's unfortunate that this show is not living up to its potential for you I haven't watched it yeah I don't know if I can continue and there's something well they also kind of reimagined the interviewer thing in a way that uh, I don't get it I feel like it's not fleshed out enough because the book was written in 72 and supposedly there was an there Louis and him had the interview in 72 right but the show takes place in modern times so what something about the that interview didn't go well so he calls him back to do it again. 1970 from 1972. No, it's modern time. Yeah, yeah. He's old. He's an old man now. All right. The interviewer is, you know. So the, the the story is basically saying, you know. Back in 1972, I tried to interview you. It went badly. So now I'm calling you back. Exactly. Right. Okay. Or or Louis calling him back to, okay. to to do it over again 40 years later, and I, I'm like. What? <laughs> what do you mean? What, what? <laughs> well, that's probably AMC saying, hey, we can't make everything, period. Make it modern time somewhere. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I, that's enough of that. Well, all right. I think um, we've kind of come up to date as much as we want to on uh for uh november's hollywood hullabaloo that's right we're gonna close this hullabaloo out and hope for bigger better news for hullabaloo three <laughs> yay all right so then um i guess uh time to hit the old end the show button thing Okay, but hit the right button this time. I think we're like, we've made this joke six times already. Okay, (laughs) hitting the right button. Ah. We are ending our transmission.